So I'd like to um, welcome you all here, myself, maybe by way of introduction. Um, you, I'm sure you all know Ajahn Amaro. <laughs> uh, the, he's the abbot of Abhayagiri Buddhist Monastery, soon to be the new abbot of uh, Amaravati in, in England. And uh, Venerable Chagananda, some of you may remember um, from years ago, he was on the staff here at IMS. So he's been having a great time today, <laughs> going around and seeing all the improvements that have been made to the building and marveling at some of the, the systems and the inner workings of the place. And uh, the empty cushion down there in Matt uh, is going to be filled later in the week by uh, Ajahn Punadamo. Most of you, if you've been here before with these retreats, you're very familiar um, with him. He's uh, had an injury and has to join us a little bit later. I think he'll be here Sunday night. So um, <coughs> in the past, uh, I remember at the end of one of these retreats, they, they did a, w a little um, story about the, the Dhamma Squad, Ajahn Amaro, <laughs> Ajahn Punadamo and Taranina. <laughs> It was really, do you remember that? <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> I think I have a copy of it somewhere. And I'm Taranea. So I wanted to um, just take a few moments and uh, gather us around uh, our uh, purpose here th this week, really. You know, as we were uh, getting ready, registering, and uh, everybody was getting settled, you know, I made a point to go around and, and see who was here, who I know, and um, make contact just to, to say hello to folks. And, you know, one of the fellows that I was talking to was um, just reflecting on how, um, what a relief it was to be here. That uh, the, the experience that he was having at work was, was one that was just very busy and so intense and uh, feeling very wired. And, you know, he, he was referring to just that sense of, uh, of coming here and uh, not so much to the building, but to the environment of retreat, and and feeling this this great sense of um, refuge. I think actually the word that he used was was relief, and I was really relating to it. We were talking about how busy and how intense it can all get sometimes. That there's this just this incredibly highly conditioned tendency just to keep going out to things and picking things up and. And there's no shortage of things to do that with in, in our culture. Um, and even so, I mean, this is even true at the monasteries. I'm just coming back from a, a few weeks at uh, Chittaviveka Buddhist Monastery, one of the um, monasteries in the lineage that's in, in England. And one of the things that struck me there um, was that just, uh, especially in the case of the senior people, the senior monks and nuns, how, uh, how full their days are, you know. Often you think of going to the monasteries just to be quiet and still, and certainly there's periods in the year where that's the case, but um, it all gets very full and very busy very quickly, even there. And, and then we were, we were looking uh, at the list of participants today, just kind of get a sense of who's here and who we know, and. Um, just noticing that uh, uh, the mean age keeps going up, you know. <laughs> and uh, we'll probably um, Ajahn Punadama will figure, figure that out later in the week. He likes to do the bell curve and see, see what the mean age is uh, for participation. But, uh, so that would seem to suggest that uh, there are probably a lot of people here who are retired. Um, and uh, you would think living relatively quiet and still lives, but I'll bet if we ask them, they're pretty busy too. <laughs> it all gets very full. And uh, it, it's not so much the things, but the way that we're relating to the things. And so that highly conditioned tendency to, to just keep picking things up and, and going on with things. So, you know, it all points to the great value um, of, of this experience that uh, we're going to be taking part in this week. You know, we, we've, we've got a lot going for us. And I just want to invite everybody to take a few moments tonight and tomorrow morning just to reflect uh, on that fact that uh, everybody here um, has, has enough sense to, at some level, even if it's not fully conscious, 
to uh, have recognized uh, the value and the importance of, of spending our time in this way. And, and again, even if it's not so fully conscious, uh, there is uh, a, a very uh, firm and deep intention to, to make the most of our time. You know, so I just, just invite you to, to notice that within your own heart, within yourself as you, as you begin this retreat. You know, and, and really all that's left for us to do is to follow through, <laughs> just to do it. Like Ajahn Chah would say, just do it. <laughs> just just um, stay with it and uh, apply ourselves to, to this effort. And it's interesting because the, the doing, a lot of the doing in, in Buddhism and Buddhist practice is, is, uh, is not a doing at all, is it? It's more like an undoing. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's this huge tangle uh, this uh, tangled web of, of uh, confusion and attachment and longing and resistance in the mind. And, and the effort is to, uh, in a way, put all that down. You know, that's the, the doing in practice is to, is to let it go, to, to relinquish to that habit, that tendency, and, and just to find the, the quiet place in our hearts and, and, and uh, endeavor to establish ourselves within that and, and uh, stay, stay in it and see in a way, at least for me a lot of the time, it's just, it's just discovering what's left when all the hustle and bustle isn't there anymore. <laughs> you know, and that's possible. I mean, you've got to give yourself a few days. Don't expect that tomorrow morning. <laughs> but but we're, we do settle down, don't we? We do um, have this opportunity to in a way, turn around and reflect and see what's actually going on in this body and mind. Uh, see what's driving us. What's the compulsions? What's the, what's the suffering? How is it happening? And how, uh, indeed, can, can we relinquish it? So just uh, remembering, uh, in a way, that this, this is what we're about as we, as we come together like this. And we have this wonderful opportunity. We have nine whole days uh, to practice together in this way and, and see who we are, see what it's about. So a lot of it, too, uh, at least I find, I don't know about you, but I, I found it, I was many years into the practice before I realized that um, uh, the, the experience of being relaxed and settled in my body and in my mind was, um, was kind of escaping me. <laughs> it wasn't, certainly one had one, one's good days, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, the, the experience of being relaxed and, and just even knowing what was going on with me, uh, what was driving me, um, it, it just wasn't that apparent, you know. And it, it just took a while for me to realize that um, these ideas of, let's say, mindfulness and, and concentration, the idea of relaxing and paying attention to what's going on, um, I was kind of holding that in a very heady way, you know, and not really um, experiencing it, not really finding the actual direct experience of what does it mean to, to relinquish, to let go, to relax? What is the experience of that, not the idea of it? Or what is... What is the experience of knowing what's happening? And it's there. It's always there. It's kind of in the back, uh, kind of uh, in the booth in the back, in the corner, in the dark. But you can access it. <laughs> you know, you just have to learn um, to, to settle and to uh, allow the mind to do actually what it does naturally when one isn't picking everything, everything else up. So just to... to Remind yourself as you start, because this, uh, these kinds of realizations of what we're about, what's driving us, um, uh, they, they really uh, strengthen and fuel us uh, in, in the days ahead. And, and, you, and we all have to know that this, uh, this uh, natural uh, wish uh, to understand, to be free of states of heart and mind that don't serve us, uh, it, it's all arising right here in this heart. You know, we, we tend to get so preoccupied with the places where we're stuck, 
And uh, there is a very great need to also be very aware of the places where there's all, already a tremendous amount of understanding. And, um, and, and it's very operative. So, and then, and then just to pan back and look at the big picture. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what our, our practice um, or the forms that we pick up, um, uh, the restrictions that we agree to take part in in order to, to live together in this way and practice uh, together in this way, you know, they have to be held with a, a, a very broad um, understanding. It's like, say, say just looking at the, uh, the form of the retreat, the sitting and the walking and the, the way that we structure our day together. Uh, or perhaps, the, say, the restrictions of silence and sensed restraint, holding uh, the container a little close to the heart. There's nothing in these things that in and of themselves have value. <laughs> it's more what they afford us and the great support that we have in doing this kind of thing together. And what they make possible is the, 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 the turning around, essentially, and that inward looking, you know, the, re, the reflection. Ajahn Chah would talk a lot about this. And one of the things I love so much about his teaching is that he, put, he always put a high value on uh, using the capacity of the mind to look at itself and to see what's going on in this body and mind. So that's what we're about this week. And uh, just to encourage us all to, to realize that, to reflect on it, and to make the determination to use the time well, because it can drift by. It can slip through our fingers, even though we've, we've gotten ourselves this far. We're here, and we have the opportunity to apply ourselves. And so the, the effort is to actually do that. And maybe just, um, just one more thing. The, the, I think one of the things that I love the most about um, these kinds of gatherings is uh, this sense of camaraderie. You know, it, it's the weirdest thing because here we are, we've, we've already made the determination not to talk to each other, not to look at each other, you know, not to, not to have contact in the way that we're most used to. Uh, and yet, um, you, you come away from a week like this with uh, such a feeling of warmth and connection as if we've been making contact with each other. And, and the thing is, we have, and we are, and we will, and it's, it's in such a, a, a deep way. It's, it's in a, a way that um, is sort of uh, connecting at our deepest uh, level of, of what we value, you know, what's important in our lives. We've all, at one level or another, uh, made a deep commitment in our lives to um, harmlessness and kindness and mutual respect. Uh, appreciation, all these beautiful, beautiful qualities. And uh, like this fellow was saying there, the, at the beginning of the retreat, that the, there's, if, if we don't have that in our environment all of the time, you sort of feel the sense of loss for it. And, and yet, when we come together in gatherings like this, there is this in- incredible connection at that level. And it's very inspiring. It's very uplifting. You know, it's a it's a very common experience for people to spend the time together like this and to, to leave uh, on the last day uh, with a, a very heightened uh, sense of um, connecting with what is most important in our lives. And I guess maybe to put that in the sense of the, the Buddhist path, just a real deep sense that um, we're on the right path we're on the right path, and we're all um, doing our, our level best to, to uh, uh, follow that path uh, very deeply. I was feeling this very strongly today when um, the staff, and this was, it was such a beautiful gesture, but the, the staff um, asked if we could arrange uh, with Ajahn to, um, uh, for them to come in this morning and um, pay respects to him. 
and, and, and to Venerable. And um, so we did. And uh, at the appointed time, the uh, majority of the staff came, came into the room, and um, I just kind of moved to the back and, and was able to participate to a certain extent, but also to witness this. You know, and uh, it it was uh, it was a very touching experience. I get all I get all you know emotional around this kind of stuff, but, but the the uh, <laughs> I do. It, it makes me cry. But when when the uh, when the whole uh, staff in unison um, paid respects to Ajahn, uh, I, I was just getting all verklempt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I didn't. I didn't just hold it there. I, I, I just. I just stopped and looked and turned. Turned around in the way that we do. So, well, what's the, What is this? You know, and yeah, sure. A lot of it is that. Uh, well, I love the monastic form, and uh, very inspired by uh, the robes, just as the Buddha was when he, he went out. You know, uh, uh, seeing an ascetic as uh, a fourth heavenly messenger that inspired him to, to move and, and practice. So there's that. But when I stopped and looked at, at what was going on uh, in my heart, uh, a lot of it was just this, um, it was a, a very profound sense of, um, this is what we're about. <laughs> you know, and the, uh, the monks and the nuns in their robes um, they, they represent something to us, and it, it calls forth this uh, wonderful inspiration and, and energy uh, that, that is moving us all in the direction of freeing ourselves from suffering in this heart, but also uh, freeing uh, suffering in the world. And, and ha- what, you know, what's not to cry about when you touch that kind of stuff? It's just so beautiful. So, uh, also just that sense that it's not just us in here, it's not just us up here, but there's a whole group of people um, behind the scenes who are very much a part of this agreement and uh, th- this um, arena, and if you will, that we've set up for our practice and insight and understanding. So I just want to wish you all the, the very best possible retreat. Uh, and even if you suffer, I know it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> So do take care. Well, thank you. Uh, I don't feel there's a, a lot to add to that, but of course I will. <laughs> um, one of the, along with uh, Ajahn, one of Ajahn Chah's maxims being uh, just do it uh, was also a, um, uh, uh, a similar brief phrase which is uh, in the, the Thai language Mainair, which means not certain mm-hmm. it's not a sure thing and uh, as the, uh, the days uh, and nights passed uh, running up to this retreat. There was uh, Taranir off in England, yeah. um, marooned on the other side of a volcano uh, <laughs> that was pouring ash into the, the air, so, along with thousands and thousands of, of other people who couldn't uh, fly on, uh, on, a jet, on their jet planes uh, across the Atlantic. So Taranir was stuck in England, and then I got a message from Ajahn Punadamo saying, um, well, I might be a little bit late for the retreat because I, um, well, I, I kind of cut off a, a large chunk of my thumb <laughs> while I was fixing the pump on the well. But uh, they've sewn it back on again, and I'll probably have mo- uh, full mobility in, in time, but um, it's going to take a, a few extra days. And so it seemed like uh, the, um, the, the spirit of, uh, of Anicca uh, of uncertainty was was very uh, clearly in the air. Well, uh, at least Tanchagananda and I are on the same continent, <laughs> and we should be able to get there. Even if we have to drive, you know, we, we should be able to make it. There. Um, so that's one of the things uh, to bear in mind with a, with a time of retreat like this: that everything is uncertain, and uh, 
mostly the, the word anicca, and people are, uh, I'm pretty sure people here are uh, largely familiar with um, uh, fundamental Buddhist teachings, and particularly the uh, such things like the three characteristics of all uh, of all aspects of nature, whether a, a thing is material or mental. If it's a thing, then it has three fixed characteristics. One, it's um, uh, it's uh, in a state of change. Two, um, it, its presence cannot permanently and completely satisfy us. And three, uh, no thing can uh, can truly be owned by us, nor can it be truly to be said to be who and what we are, the three characteristics of existence. So within that, the, the characteristic of anicca is usually translated as impermanence or change or transiency, these kind of words, so talking about the, the, in a way, like the material or physical property of, of all things. If it's a thing, it changes. But uh, Ajahn Chah used to uh, rather emphasize the, rather than the object side, the, the, the fact that that thing there is changing, is how do we, f- we feel it on the subject side? How does the heart receive that quality of change? And what it meets it with is with the quality of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen next. We know Ajahn Punadama is intending to get on a plane <laughs> on, uh, and get here um, uh, on the 2nd. But it's also occurred in the past that Ajahn Punadamo was at Toronto Airport and having such a great time having, talking with the person who had driven him to the airport that he actually missed the plane <laughs> and arrived at the retreat a day late that time. Yeah. Oh, and a Not to malign him. And that's right, yeah, another time they wouldn't let him in the country because um, a fellow at the border said, um, how much money are you carrying? And he said, none. <laughs> Which was literally true. Um, but he could have said, um, oh, well, as a Buddhist monk, I never carry money, but there will be somebody who's meeting me <laughs> who has you know, plenty of funds that I've been invited by a group um, who have uh, got a, a large establishment and a, and a big charity that uh, backs things up. But um, he uh, s- took some exception to the, uh, the guard um, not appreciating that Buddhist monks don't use money, and so the, they said, no, you can't get on the plane. You, you can't allow indigent Canadians <laughs> into this country. So, so we had to get that sorted out. Um, so everything's uncertain. Uh, everything is uncertain. So that's a good uh, uh, attitude to bear in mind. Um, that uh, as a way of relating to the events of the day, our moods, whether our practice is going well or, or uh, falling apart, um, whether we, uh, how we tend to rank things as being good or bad or, or succeeding or failing or just wandering around in the middle, to see that, well, uh, all of it is uncertain. Those judgments are uncertain, and what will happen next is uncertain. What this moment will change into is uncertain. And when we appreciate that quality of uncertainty from a place of, of mindfulness, when we rouse that recognition, rather than that, just that uncertainty making us more anxious and, and fretful, that uncertainty is directly liberating. It's, it unplugs the, the, the fretting engine. It's because, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Okay, relax. <laughs> Nobody knows. Uh, uh, when we uh, are looking for certainty in that which is intrinsically uncertain, we're bound to suffer. So all we're trying to do is align our attitude with the way things actually are already. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So just... Uh, as the, the, the retreat um, launches and we, we set off on this, um, uh, this journey uh, together for the next nine or ten days, just to be, it's helpful just to be bringing that to mind and, and uh, holding that, that attitude there as like a, a, an abiding presence that um, we, uh, we can look at a particular practice or a particular... Uh, 
aspect of our, of our life and think, well, this looks like it's going in a good direction, or this feels right, okay, let's try following that. Or, you know, this feels wrong, this, 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 is, this isn't working, or I really don't like this. <laughs> okay, well, that, that being the case, we can make a, an adjustment. But when we, you develop the, what's called the anicca sanya, or the perception of, of uncertainty or impermanence, then what it does, it, it, it helps to, to lighten up the hold, the grip, that we place upon our judgments about the world. This is right, that's wrong, this is good, that's bad, I like this is great, oh no, this is terrible. Because for every one of us, um, I'm sure it's occurred that some wonderful event has happened, what we call wonderful, and we thought, oh great, fantastic, I got the promotion, I got the job, they gave me tenure. And then five years later, oh my God, I can't get out, I'm tenured. <laughs> and yeah, that which was tying you to permanent security is now throttling you with <laughs> apparently a permanent uh, limitation. So it depends on how you look at it. Just uh, as Tarania mentioned um, at the beginning, uh, that uh, I was uh, just recently invited to go and, and uh, uh, take over as abbot of Amravati Monastery in England. Well, that was a surprise. Talk about uncertainty. Um, that was when I was in, in Thailand at some Sangha meetings. Ajahn Sumato um, said, uh, oh, could you come by my, my kuti this evening? And I thought, okay, just shoot the breeze, have a cup of tea. And <laughs> I thought he was going to discuss what, next, what were the next Dharma jaunt we were going to go on. You know, we've been to, to the Arctic, went to Bhutan, and last year to Japan. Okay, where next? China? Galapagos? <laughs> so I was just tootling through the forest night uh, and... Uh, what Pananachat and uh, arrive at his kuti, and the first thing he says is, I'd like to invite you to take over as abbot at Amravati. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so then the conversation in, uh, took off from there. But uh, it's also in terms of, of judgment. So many people hearing this news say, oh, congratulations. Wow. I bet your family are really proud of you. You must be really excited. And other people say, oh, wow. Wow, how, lo how long do you have to do that for? Oh, I feel really sorry for you, Ajahn, but... I'm really glad it's not me. <laughs> so, is it a good thing or a bad thing? You know, is it a, a, a is it a, is it worthy of congratulation or commiseration? You know, what is it? It's uncertain. That much we know. So, uh, uh, that was just a little example. But so many things in our lives, you know, they, uh, it's not a matter of of the angle that we look at them from, but remembering that these are just changing patterns of nature coming and going, that's all. And the more that we clearly and fully know that, and we, we learn to hold them lightly, and to not see them as who and what we are, or something that is a self or can belong to a self, then our relationship to the, to the changing world shifts in a, in a, a radical way. One of the, the things that supports that, we, we chanted the Metta Sutta, and another of the things that I always like to emphasize at the beginning of a retreat is to, to not just look at loving kindness as a special little practice that you do occasionally by visualizing um, the feeling of loving kindness being spread around the, the world and to all categories of living beings and through the geographical regions of the planet, but far more uh, seeing it as a, a, a basic attitude with which we work with the mind. So bringing the attitude of loving-kindness to your own mind states, to the events of, of the day, the people that you're sitting next to, the people that uh, live on the corridor, or, or the person you share a room with. <laughs> the, um, uh, that quality of loving-kindness doesn't mean to say that we're trying to like everything, because there are many things in this life which are unlikable. But uh, even that which we cannot like we can, be, uh, we can be respectful towards, we can, uh, we can befriend, we can accept that that's the way they are. 
if we have a migraine or we have a family crisis and we have to go off for a, a couple of days or uh, if um, you know, Ajahn Punadhamma never manages to show up you know, those are, are painful things and they're not, they're not, there's not, no way we're going to make them sweet but then uh, loving kindness is more to do with that space in the heart that recognizes oh, there's bitterness in life as well it's not all just one sweet thing there's the bitter and it tastes like this. This is what bitterness is like. That's loving kindness, is to that, that open, uh, openness of the heart that says, oh, this is the way it is. It's a radical acceptance of, uh, of the way things are. So is that, as a, to look at loving kindness more as an underpinning uh, attitude, a, uh, a way of holding the, the uh, the effort in the practice, uh, as Tarani was describing so well, the, the, the effort to, to, to let go, that uh, that's done from a place of, of kindness and, and f- uh, forgiveness. Befriending, our, really befriending ourselves. You know, and, and they are, classically they talk about loving kindness practice saying, oh, you, you always have to start with yourself. And so we can be repeating the words and the formulae of, oh, may I be happy, may I be free from suffering. Yeah. And we can get all the words lined up and they can make sense. But to, to actually be a friend to yourself. <gasps> if you were your own best friend. Sometimes I like to encourage that as an exercise, when, particularly when self-criticism is, is wading in. I'm no good, I'm so stupid, how could I have done that again? I'm an idiot, I'm a fool. Am I never going to get this right? I'm a total failure, I'm the world's worst meditator. They're going to banish me from this retreat because my vibes are so confusing. <laughs> you know, all of that. And that uh, getting into the I'm no good uh, self-hatred uh, trip. And uh, what I, a little exercise I like to encourage people is to, to say, if your best, if, uh, say, if your name is Tarania, say, just as an example, <laughs> uh, say, if, tar- if, uh, you, if your best friend was Tarania, and she came to you and said, I'm no good, I'm so hopeless, I can't get this right, I'm, I'm so confused, I'm sure my vibes are poisoning everybody around me. If your best friend came to you and said that, what would be the immediate response? And uh, usually you don't even have to get to the end of the sentence before you realize, oh, you'd say, oh, lighten up, you're not that bad, you're a lovely person, you're fine, don't be so hard on yourself. Right? Without thought, immediately, you're kind, you're forgiving, you're compassionate. So that's what having metta for ourselves means. It's like having metta for those foolish, crazy, uh, deranged, busy, uh, agitated, officious, <laughs> confused, foolish, childish, dictatorial voices, the whole gang, the entire menagerie of, of, of voices that... Uh, comprise the committee. So just to, to be able to listen to those and to say, yeah, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> and to, to see that, that all of that belongs, even our, our worst shortcomings, they all belong. Maybe the, the last thing to, to say before um, closing these reflections, then we can uh, have the little ceremony for avowing the the Eight Precepts. Uh, Another of Ajahn Chah's um, basic principles is uh, that of uh, using everything to teach us. And again, like saying everything is uncertain, uh, it's all mainair, he would always uh, emphasize that if we're wise, everything will teach us. The migraine will teach us. You know, the the impatient feeling in the food line will teach us. The um, enraged, uh, self-righteous feeling that the, that person in front of you took the last apple again. <laughs> that, uh, that will teach us. And if we're wise, um, along with the, the, the words that you hear from up front uh, and the um, memories of other teachings that you, you've heard, uh, along with those, the, uh, the bright and dark and, and uh, average mind states and events of the day. Sweeping the corridor, walking down the bowling alley, 
uh, eating uh, your food, everything will teach us. Okay. Uh, doing your your uh, your yogi job, lying in your room listening to somebody snore in the next room, <laughs> that will teach us if we're wise. And he'd say, if we're not wise, if we're foolish, you could be face to face with the Buddha himself, and you wouldn't learn anything. So, uh, if we let it, if we develop uh, what's called a reflective mind, we the quality of investigation, yoniso manasikara. Dhamma Vijaya, these, these Pali words that refer to the exploring, interested um, attitude of mind, that which is uh, investigating, is, is uh, seeking out the patterns that things take, uh, how things are formed, how things work, cultivating that uh, curiosity is a good word for that. It's a, an interestedness. To, uh, to explore the different uh, uh, events inside ourselves, outside ourselves, then uh, everything about this retreat will teach us. Rather than thinking, I've got to have all the conditions perfect, I've got to have complete silence, I've got to have absolutely no digestive problems. <laughs> you know, the weather was ideal today, let's just keep it like that. <laughs> Beautiful sun, not too hot. <laughs> Just another nine days of that, please. <laughs> yeah. If that's our attitude, you've already created suffering because then there's the fear that it's going to be rainy and dark and cold and windy tomorrow. And uh, so that that is, a, again, a tremendous support for the, the effort that we've come here to, to, to join together in, to, to bring, keep bringing that to mind rather than, oh, this is great, this is how wonderful, oh, no, this is terrible, how, how awful. Or, but just, just to turn the mind to say, well, what's this teaching me? What, how does this work? Look, what's, what's this that's happening now? Cultivating that curiosity, that, that spirit of inquiry, and letting that teach us. Then whether you're hearing words of, of Dhamma teachings or whether it's just the the rustle of the leaves, or finally getting a chickadee to eat out of your hand. <laughs> the famous IMS chickadees. But, uh, to, uh, to recognize, yeah, everything teaches us if we let it. So I'll finish there with uh, these um, opening reflections. And uh, we'll complete the evening with the... Um, the requesting of the three refugees and the eight precepts, and Taraniya will um, do the honors of uh, leading the. Uh, yeah. Okay. Taraniya will lead the uh, the request and so forth. So, if you turn to, uh, to page um, fifty nine, does everybody have a chanting book? Is there some more up here? Do you want, do you want to come and? So um, those of you who are um, familiar with this, um, please uh, chant loudly <laughs> and carry the re- can help carry the rest of us along. So um, there is a maybe I should use the mic for this for a little bit. Again, as Ajahn was saying, uh, some of these devotional things may not be for everybody uh, in terms of the the forms that we put around taking the precepts. Certainly, we all want to take the precepts together. But uh, if you're inclined, um, we usually we start the, this with three bows and we end it with three bows. And uh, so if, if that um, isn't your cup of tea, the bowing part of it, just if you would uh, be patient while the rest of us who want to do that will do that. Uh, and... Um, uh, we, we take the bows and we uh, begin with these um, phrases together. And it's very clear in here uh, what part belongs to the uh, people who are requesting the precepts and, and what part belongs to Ajahn, where he'll be leading us. Okay? 
hands in Anjali in a kneeling pose. So I will recite the Namotasa three times, and after I've finished the third time, then all of you join in. Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Saranangachami Dhammang Saranangachami Sanghang Saranangachami Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gachami. Dutiyampi buddhang saranang gachami. Dutiyampi sanghang saranang gachami. Tatiyampi buddhang saranangachami. Tatiyampi buddhang saranangachami. Tatiyampi sanghang saranangachami. Sarana Kamanang Nititang. Panati Pata Verapmani Sikapadang Samadiami. I undertake the precept to refrain from destroying living creatures. Adinadana Verapmani Sikapadang Samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Ambrahmacharya Verapmani Sikapadang Samadhyami.
I undertake the precept to refrain from any kind of intentional sexual behavior. Musavada Vairapmani Sikaparang Samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from incorrect speech. Sura Miraya Majapamadatana Vairapmani Sikaparang Samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Vikala bojana verapmani sikaparang samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from eating at wrong times. Nacha gita vadita visukadasana mala ganda vilepana dharana mandana vipusanatana verapmani sikaparang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from entertainment, beautification and adornment. Ucha sayana maha sayana verapmani sikaparang samadhyami I undertake the precept to refrain from lying on a high or luxurious sleeping place. Imani atasikapadani silena sukatinyanti silena boga sambara silena nibutinyanti tasama silang visotaye. I like to think of the um, the precepts as the uh, the container. They define the um, the container, the vessel that uh, um, enables the uh, uh, all of the the energies gathered together here: our our, our bodies, our minds, uh, our lives. Um, it's like a crucible that all those energies are contained within, just as this building and this, these grounds uh, contain us and protect us and support us. So that the precepts, in a similar way, they create a, a firm and strong um, container, a crucible for the, um, the practice of the meditation. So it defines a, a basis of, of uh, harmlessness and trust, uh, respectfulness, silence. Also, um, the, the term incorrect there is a, it's not just getting your facts right. It means <laughs> uh, it means uh, uh, refraining from false and harmful speech, also um, uh, idle chatter and uh, backbiting and abusive speech, that kind of thing. And also within the context of, of this retreat, as people well know, it means uh, noble silence, refraining from from talking. Um, and then uh, the uh, the last 
of the, the precepts of refraining from lying on a high, luxurious sleeping place. That often gets a, a little question mark, huh? <laughs> um, and what that's to do is, is uh, what's that to, that's to do with is to um, uh, refrain from an overindulgence in sleep. And so that uh, rather than having a huge couch covered with fluffy cushions and little kind of comforters and bolsters and furry animals and, <laughs> yeah, and such like, that uh, you have a, you know, a simple, basic uh, sleeping place so that you're not encouraged to, to uh, or inspired to, to lie there for hours and hours a day when you don't really need to. So it's encouraging wakefulness. That's, it's, that's the spirit of it. So without further ado, I think we can probably uh, uh, close the evening. We'll just uh, use the, the closing homage, which comes at the end of the uh, morning chanting. So page 30. We'll do that in Pali and English together. So completely explained by him, Tamandamasami, I bow to the Tamma. Supatipano Bhagavato Savaka Sango, the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well. Sangang namami, I bow to the Sangang.